Blog Talk Radio. here on Block Talk Radio, UltimateSportsTalk.com, and the LFL Network by John M. Davis Books.com. Uh, so another weekend of exciting um, action in the women's game. And we're going to talk a little bit of NFL draft news and rumors uh, with Troy Wilson here in a little bit. And Kishi Free won't be with us today, but uh, we look forward to her return next week. And later in the hour, we are going to be uh, talking WFA uh, with uh, Holly Custis on week six of the WFA. We'll also recap week five of the IWFL uh, from our friends at MyY Sports. You can follow them at MyY Sports on Twitter, and we'll go through the recap of week five of the IWFL season. And then uh, Scandinavian Bowl uh, over in uh, Finland, and the uh, GC Demons won over a friendly match against the VF Trolls. So congratulations to them as well as the uh, Queensland Sun Devils uh, win against the New South Wales Coyotes. Uh, congratulations to uh, South, um, the Sun Devils. And uh, there was a, um, one of our no-joke football supporters, uh, Stacey Spears, got injured in the game, and she's doing well now. So that was kind of not a good thing, but uh, she's actually recovering. So uh, hats off to the Coyotes and Stacey Spears. And we'll look forward to the next state match with uh, Queensland. Uh, and they're a very talented team with our no-joke football supporters, Christy Moran, and as well as Lauren Evans, and a bunch of other folks there. So um, it was a great matchup. I believe it was 32-0 to zero on the on the tally. So congratulations to them. And so uh, the weeks are flying by here in uh, the WFA, and a lot of to talk about, especially D.C. versus uh, Chicago. If you didn't watch it, you can go back to our timeline. You can follow at D.C. Football. On Twitter, you can go at Chicago Force. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page. You can also go to Chicago Force Football on Twitter and on YouTube. You can follow Chicago Force Football as well, and you can re-watch the broadcast of the 41-34 uh, Classic Duel, uh, the Divas champions of last year, taking on the t- uh, high-powered offensive uh, Chicago Force. Up to this point, Chicago was the dominant team Coming in, they had not faced a Tier 1 opponent. So it kind of speaks volumes there there in terms of the competition. And at this point, uh, they get beat by a touchdown. So more of a realistic match here, uh, more caliber of quality play. So, uh, you know, taking on Ali Hamlin, uh, Kelly Bronson, and Congetta Grisby, uh, um, you know, just a different ball game. 
uh, when you talk about Chicago, um, they did bring it on uh, Gore and company. They, you know, they obviously played uh, most toe to toe with them, but with the same token, uh, you know, a mistake here and there. And the difference is a touchdown and the divas uh, win in the windy city in week six of the uh, WFA slate. So that was kind of the top game out of the season. And then uh, also the passion win again, a hundredth, uh, I believe a hundredth game in their franchise history. They're on a roll as well. So week seven of the WFA is going to be very, very uh, uh, interesting coming up here. Week seven, all the way down to the final weeks of the season. Um, you're going to see pretty much uh, tier one teams start to uh, kind of separate themselves towards the playoffs. So let's uh, see what we got going on here. And my notes as well. So a big weekend there. And then also uh, FX Mexico, the week six starting to look pretty competitive. So we'll dive into that in the next two weeks here. Um, got to tell you stuff from my friends down south in Mexico, but FX Mexico, uh, the Ravens, the Vikinas, um, there's a top-notch teams in Mexico right now. We'll also dive into Lexfa. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, we also follow Lexfa. Lexfa is the top, the second-tier league in Mexico and Premier Leagues and the full kit leagues. And we'll dive into PGFL eventually at some point here during the week of next week and the week after as well as their playoff uh, matchups start to evolve. Um, so LFL, of course, LFL football night, nail biter. If you watched it on YouTube, the uh, uh, Los Angeles Temptation, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Acoustics taking on Liberty, the Austin Acoustics against the uh, New England Liberty. And so that was an interesting game, 41-21. Acoustics come out on top. So we'll recap that in a little bit later in the hour. And then last night, Temptation taking on Desire down to the wire. Uh, uh, 33-32. Los Angeles was on the edge for about two and a half quarters. They were basically going neck and neck. But L.A. at one point was down almost two scores. And the resiliency to come back up, quarterback change, it was not Jane Conwell. It was actually um, Kara Patterson. So uh, Patterson, uh, just, you know, uh, great job there uh, in terms of Coach Tui making the change. We'll see if that's going to stick going forward in the next couple weeks. But exciting football. So um, Troy Wilson should be here in a couple minutes here um, to take us through the NFL recaps as well. So um, otherwise, let's go into that. Rumors in NFL right now, as I came on board, uh, the latest rumors was um, Arizona Cardinals will shift their focus to uh, see if they can get a long-term deal for Tyron Matthew, According that's according to uh, Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio. Um, should be a good deal. I mean, that's been a good player for them. Uh, we'll see if they can get a long-term deal, and I don't see why they shouldn't. He's contributed pretty well to the team. The other rumor was Philadelphia's Sam Bradford. We had talked about it a couple weeks ago about how they wanted to, you know, trade a demand. Um, So from what we hear now this past week, it's uh, he wants to rejoin the team. And since, you know, they took Wentz, I guess they're going to try to mutually agree and compete for the job. So that's a good sign there. You have Colin Kaepernick and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, remain in a holding pattern with the Niners and Jets, respectively. So the issue here is whether Chip Kelly fits Colin Kaepernick's mold. And uh, we'll talk to uh, Holly Custis at 45 after and kind of get some ideas in terms of 
she's a big Niner fan, where that, where, where that stuff sits in here. Fitzpatrick has done well for the Jets, of stable. Um, I don't know if they're going to go with Geno Smith at this point, so we'll start to look at that as well as we come up to it. Um, I, two good teams there uh, in the West. It's kind of tough. You really need a quarterback. You can't have quarterback questions, especially in San Francisco. So um, the other thing is free agent running back Bernard Pierce has been suspended for the first two games of the NFL season. That's according to uh, the um, NFL uh, National Football Post, uh, Aaron Wilson. And suspension there for Bernard Pierce. I don't know if that's going to be uh, a big issue there. Jason Pierre-Paul's lawsuit against ESPN and Adam Schefter is still ongoing. Uh, they're going to have court hearings later this month. Um, that was kind of a you know a situation where indifference opinion there, and they're still going at it. Uh, John Elway th- uh, thinks rookie quarterback Paxton Lynch, which we talked about last week, will be ready to play for the Broncos quicker than a lot of people think. We were really high on Paxton Lynch last week, and even in the draft, pre-draft, uh, everybody was really high on him. So the Cowboys passing up on him and the Broncos basically coming up with him, that speaks volumes in terms of how they can change it because um, they left go Osweiler to Houston sort of gives you an idea of what their plans were. But coming in with a rookie, um, unless their line gets solidified really early this, this training camp, which I presume that it will because uh, – John Elway would not make a move like that unless he was really confident that this quarterback that he's picked up is going to help him out and, and start right away. So there's, there's the issue there you run into in Denver. Um, the other things we talk about here is veteran offensive lineman Matt Slauson has signed a two-year deal with the Chargers. Um, that's a report by Adam Kaplan. Um, so good job there. I mean, that puts them in, in a good state on front for uh, – Philip Rivers. Um, Cardinals first round pick Robert Nikadish has been um, basically just, you know, just doing awesome in practice. That's according to Bruce Arians. So there's another benefit there for the Cardinals in terms of, uh, you know, the progression that they're going to take there in, in the West. So that's some of the rumors that were going on in the NFL uh, before I came on board here. And we'll touch, we'll touch base on a lot of the things. The big matchup coming up this week is um, in the LFL is going to be Seattle, uh, Chicago Bliss. Uh, the Bliss without uh, legendary quarterback Heather Furr. So we'll see how um, Kim Perez, who's transitioning from uh, a defensive player into a quarterback, but you still have uh, Crystal uh, Harris. But uh, to take on the Miss, it's an all-star, all-star fantasy roster right now in Seattle. I don't know if the LFL meant to do that or if everybody just migrated to the northwest but it's going to be a great matchup this coming week this saturday it's uh seattle looking for the third win of the season they get this win they pretty much make the playoffs and um a chance at a repeat uh since they're basically four games in the lfl every game is a must win um so that's the mentality uh but you got to you got to hats off to uh, chicago they got to come in with a solid game plan uh, they got new wide receivers. They got, you know, Crystal Harris. Like I said, they got a, a basically quarterback, a new quarterback. It's going to be tough to go into um, the Shower Center and try to like win against um, 
you know, the Seattle miss. So it's not going to be fun at this point at all. So we'll see how that turns out in terms of whether the bliss can keep up with KK Matheny and the repertoire uh, at her disposal, which we have, you know, you got Jenna Weiss, I mean, pretty much an all-star squad. <laughs> just You can go down the line. I mean, this is just stacked. And if you're facing them as a, almost a rookie thing, uh, Coach Hack, hats off to you because you're going to be in trouble if it doesn't work out right. You could literally be in a blown-out mode here, but I doubt that's going to happen. You might end up losing by one or two touchdowns. So taking pretty much the miss at this point, if you're looking at the uh, miss versus Chicago. So we'll go into detail in terms of that. So let's go into the reminder to visit our uh, Zazzle shop to help us uh, support the 2017 Gridiron Australia Outback Squad. You can select from various chalk line tees to sport, and we will donate $3 to the um, t- uh, fund to take the girls to the IFAB World Championship in 2017. You can go to Zazzle.com. Remember to use Zazzle codes and save up to 50% off on select items every day. So uh, check it out and make sure you uh, support the girls. Uh, we are not profiting from this. Uh, normal profit for us is about $4 or so. So we're giving away almost everything in terms of the costs. So it's uh, thank you for everybody that purchased the shirts um, during this last month in May. Uh, I mean, in April and then now in May. So we really appreciate the support and make sure that uh, we help them out. So uh, go to Zazzle.com, use the Zazzle codes, and you can save up to 50% off on select items. So let's see here. Let's see if Troy's on now. Nope, I, not not here yet. So he sh- should be on his way. Spurring a little traffic, traffic and so. So we'll talk to, um, we're going to talk to Darren uh, Stanky of the, um, Stank, at Stank Sports on Twitter. He covers the majority of the sports up in Canada, as well as the uh, Western Women's Canadian Football League. So he'll be on here in a couple minutes. Uh, we'll talk to him about the transition, the growth of the league, and we're also going to you know, talk about how it's going to impact the 2017 uh, Women's Great Iron Team for Football Canada. And a lot of, a lot of the Canadian uh, t- um, players that are all going to be on the, football, the national team for the Football Canada are basically coming out, of the, coming out of the Western Canadian Football League. So it's very exciting times to have that and to get uh, involved with that and kind of see how it's going to work out. They have won the silver medal in the last two IFAB World Championships between 2010 and 2013. So that tells you a lot in terms of the caliber of play in Canada, uh, similar to the U.S., not as, you know, like the WFA does or the IWFL, but but similar play. And so not a gold medalist, but they're shooting for the gold coming 2017. They really want to make a statement. you got uh, talented players on the Valkyries, the Regina Riot, Lethric uh, Steel. I mean, there's just a, a lot of talent in this league up north. And so that's going to help them out in the long run. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out uh, as we go forward with that. We'll have Darren coming up here in a couple minutes, and we'll go from there. Troy, how's it going? Pretty well, sir. How about yourself? Good, good. Um, so we're just chatting away on uh, – we're going to get our guest on here in a couple minutes here, Darren Steinke of the uh, Stank Sports. Um, he's, uh, you can follow him at Stank Sports via Twitter. And we'll see, uh, he'll be coming on here in a couple minutes. And we'll talk uh, Western Women's Canadian Football League then. 
Uh, we're talking NFL rumors before you came on, and so we're talking about free agency going on. And so, um, what's your thoughts on free agency right now? Well, it's going to start to ramp down a little bit. I think, um, and, and well, in, in so many respects, it's ramping down. But then you also had uh, a slew of players who didn't really uh, pan out as well as they thought. They were high round draft picks. Um, and, and you're going to start to see these guys, um, you know, filter down to other rosters. You're, you know, you, they were highly regarded initially coming out uh, into the draft out of college, and they didn't pan out for whatever reason for their team. There's always going to be another GM that's going to come along and say, hey, you know what, in our program, he might flourish. Um, I think that's, you know, you're going to see guys like um, – uh, oh man, I forgot the guy's name from uh, Jacksonville. Uh, uh, Luke Jokel. He was a second. He was the second pick in the draft. He was uh, drafted as a left tackle, and uh, Jacksonville decided not to renew his contract. But I mean, he is a left tackle. He's a big body. You know, somebody might decide to move him to right guard where they don't really need him at left tackle, and he may be a commodity for someone going down the road. And right tackle has actually started to come into vogue as far as you know, um, a big need for NFL teams. So I think you're going to start to see, you know, guys that didn't pan off other teams start to trickle into, you know, different situations. Yeah, and, and the uh, like, like Keisha was talking about, some of the divisions are going to be really impacted. Uh, others are not going to be as impacted, but some of them are going to be impacted all the way around. I mean, the the NFC East is going to be impacted. The uh, Maybe the NFC uh, uh, North as well, because you got a lot of new, you know, t- starters, and some of the some of the draftees are going to probably be starting at the beginning with depending on the team need. But you're looking at some of them are going to be starting right and early. Uh, I know Minnesota, uh, from what I was, you know, reading, they basically are going to be having a lot of you know projected starters on both sides of the ball. So that's a good sign, I guess, in terms of the draft. They drafted probably wisely enough to where if you can get a couple draft to, to do that, then obviously that's... Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, everyone feels like, I mean, this is a great time of year where you feel like you're starting to put your team together. And, you know, the people that you're bringing in may fit a you know, just a certain role. So, uh, you know, teams where, you know, you may need a pass rusher, you, you might take a, a shot at, a, at an older veteran. Um, and when you see uh, guys that, that start to come available, you know, people are going to take flyers on it, and you know, you'll see how it pans out. And I mean, I, you know, and these guys, especially the veterans, which you, they're looking for a locker room guy, uh, someone to maybe coach up the younger guys. I mean, these things kind of fit like a puzzle. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this stuff starts to pan out. Now, in terms of what I was looking at, the Bears, um, you know, their their uh, projected offense uh, will include Jeremy Langford and uh, Austin Jeffries, Kevin White, Eddie Royal, and then obviously Jake Cutler. Defense is still an issue. So if you look at some of those teams as well, the defense was probably one of the youngest defense last year. So I guess through the draft, I think they were number nine overall. Uh, they picked up, you know, some some help there. So We'll see how, you know, that gets impacted, especially in the north, because you got Green Bay and you got Minnesota. Um, so it, it could 
their secondary, uh, from what I was reading from their blog, would be the only question mark at this point because they were relying, I guess, too much on Tracy Porter. So we'll we'll see how that gets affected with them. Yeah, and I would like to see Tracy Porter pan out when he was here with the Redskins. <laughs> but you know, he, he, he had some injury problems. So, and that's that's the other part of it is that if Chicago is depending on a guy like Tracy Porter. Uh, they may have it coming to, to some issues because, I mean, he's battled injuries throughout his career with New Orleans, and, uh, with the Raiders also, and then uh, with the Redskins. And now, you know, he's been pretty healthy with the Bears. So, I mean, we'll see how these guys start to, you know, start to trickle down. But it's going to be it's, – it's kind of odd looking at the Bears who are, you know, typically when you think of the Bears, you think of tough defenses. And they just aren't – you know, they just aren't that team right now. You know, what I mean, so it's. I mean, they got they have some guys in there that you know, uh, like you have Shea McClellan, who was a, a high round draft pick. He was supposed to be a outside linebacker, pass rusher, and they're moving him to the inside. Um, you know, they still have Antrell Roll back there. Uh, he's he's getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, Fuller, you know, you got uh, Fuller on the ends on the corner. So I mean, this. It's a lot of guys that are out there who aren't really household names for that team. But I guess, you know, but they do have um, uh, one of the better defensive minds in the games. Their, their coach is Vic Fangio, who was responsible for putting together that um, that San Francisco defense. And so if they if they can get this guy to coach this team up, and they did start to come on a little bit further into the year, but uh, I'm not sure with the, with the pieces that they have, they'll be able to do much with that. Now, uh, John Elway came out publicly and said, you know, that he's right in line with uh, for for Paxton. So that's I guess that's a good sign, considering like we talked about last week, he drafted him. Now it's it's really a matter of if he's going to start him or not. But I'm assuming he was going to start him because he got. I'm pretty sure he has no one else on the roster that I'm that I could tell. So we'll see how that works out. Well, he's the only other quarterback that they have. Well, they have uh, they have Sanchez on their in their roster, and um, you know, last time I saw Sanchez play, I, I wasn't that impressed. And I'm pretty sure uh, Broncos fans aren't exactly, you know, uh, it's not exactly must see TV when this guy gets under center. So I think Paxton Lynch actually may end up being the game, uh, you know, game one starter for the Broncos. I mean, you figure, why not? I mean, this is the guy yep. that you drafted as your first-round pick, and you expect your defense to play up to par. You're going to give this guy time to grow, a la how the Pittsburgh Steelers did with Ben Roethlisberger as he was a rookie. So it'll be um, – I think they, if they were to start him game one, I think that would be a good move on their part. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's go into the No Joke Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. We talked about go to Zazzle, uh, support the uh, Gridiron Australia Outback Women's Team, uh, purchase your no-joke football. And I want to give a shout-out to Matilda Quist, who's uh, vacationing in Italy. If you go to our Facebook page, check it out. She's sporting the uh, no-joke football chalk shirt on our Facebook page, so thanks to her. Hope she's enjoying her vacation. We'll watch her back on the next season when they go with the New South Wales. So, um, so let's go into the huddle with Darren Stanky of the Stank sports on twitter and we're going to be talking wwcfl hello darren how you doing today i'm doing fine are you are you can, I, are you, can you guys hear me out there 
Yeah, we're good to go. Oh, yep, we can hear you well. Oh, cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I – sometimes when you're dialing through, you're not sure if you're actually getting through or not. So. Yeah, no, we're good. You got you crossed the lines, as they say. You're good to go. Woohoo! <laughs> oh man, how so are Darren, um, we're good. Mm-hmm. So we w- we wanted okay. to bring you in because um, you've been covering the league a little while, and I know we've got Mark Staferi as well, who's done some work for uh, uh, Canada Football Chat, and I know you've done mm-hmm. some work as well with freelancing. So um, this league, Darren, the Western Canadians uh, Women's Football League, uh, to the states equivalent it would be an equivalent to maybe the wfa in terms of quality play it's it's basically uh i know the maritime was you know the original league but mm. this is literally in the heart in the middle of canada so they have they have put together a very good uh you know good league in terms of standing and good play and the last two world championships which is in 2010 and 2013 uh which represented football canada um, they were silver medalists, so it's you got to give credit uh, to the fact that uh, they have good caliber players there. Would you agree? Oh yeah, the uh, it's so funny because with the Western Western Women's uh, Canadian Football League, I kind of actually when I discovered it was about in 2012 when I was still living in Medicine Hat, Alberta, and I came back to Saskatoon on vacation to visit family and went to Valkyrie's game and. Uh, some of my old friends were uh, helping coach the team, and uh, the, the other thing that's kind of cool about this, uh, especially the Saskatoon and the Regina team, the quality of the coaching staff on both sides. Like uh, the coaching staff could basically go out and coach the University of Saskatchewan Huskies or the University of Regina Rams. The, the coaching staff is that quality to start off with. So that's been incredible. And, yeah, the level of play, like, when I first saw a game in 2012, really impressed me. Like, I was surprised, like, how well all the players were able to execute plays and kind of understand defenses. And and the skill set was pretty high, too. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a pretty eye-opening thing for me, especially considering – that the league out here in Western Canada only uh, started out in uh, 2011, so it's not a very old league, but also, too, um, football in Western Canada has some pretty good roots because, of course, out here in Western Canada, most everybody supports their local CFL teams, and, of course, in Saskatchewan, everybody's known as the big diehard fans of the CFL Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and... um, I'm not sure. In, in the States, like the Rough Riders, uh, people might not know this in the States, but the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for merchandising up here in Canada are only outsold by the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens. So that shows how big football is in this province. But yeah, no, so of course women were interested in the game, and I'm totally vague on how the league got its wheels and got going. And, but yeah, it's uh, I guess girls wanting to start playing, and I remember... Jeff Yowsey, the uh, who's still the head coach of the Valkyries, got talked into coaching the women's team. And yeah, Jeff Yowsey has been the defensive coordinator for the Saskatoon Hilltops out here for, oh man, it almost feels like forever. At least, I would say at least a decade. And he's an outstanding coach, and he's also the technical director for football Saskatchewan. And uh, yeah, he brought in a whole bunch of uh, other former U of S Huskies players, U of S 
uh, Saskatoon Hilltops players who had gone out and were coaching in minor football or coaching as position coaches or coordinators for the university teams. And, yeah, it really took off. The girls, like, improved quite a bit. And, yeah, the quality, like I say, it's, it is extremely good out here. Now, Darren, what's what's the relationship? Because from what we read out here and what we see on the Internet and what we read on the Internet, what's the relationship with the Canadian Football League? Is it more of a community-based relationship or is it something going forward? Because I know uh, the championship has, was played in, in Winnipeg and the Blue Bombers actually afforded the field for the uh, for the league championship. So kind of a stepping stone with the WFA when, when the Pittsburgh Steelers afforded um, – Heinz Field for the WFA in 2012 to you know to showcase their national championship. So, what do you know about the relationship between the Canadian Football League and and the WWCFL? Uh, the relationship is, I would say, is pretty good. I know the Rough Riders here uh, in the past have uh, supported both the two Saskatchewan teams. I believe I might have this wrong, but I believe the Valkyries at one point in time in their beginnings ended up. I think they got some equipment from them and of course got some funding and of course the riot play at Taylor field, which is the home of the Saskatchewan rough riders down in Regina. And uh, also too, I know, and yeah, the Winnipeg, from what I understand, the bombers do support the two Winnipeg based teams over there out in Winnipeg. I don't, don't totally know the extent. Uh, so you have to excuse me on that, but there is support. Um, the, also, the other thing that's uh, where the uh, two Saskatchewan teams get a lot of support from is, um, of course, the two university teams, like the, I think the Valkyries original uniforms they got were former University of Saskatchewan Huskies uniforms. And mm-hmm. uh, also, and also too, like you say, of course, most of their coaches are ex-Huskies coaches or Hilltops coaches. And the Hilltops, just so people understand who the Hilltops are down in the States. In Canada, uh, we also have a league that goes, runs, uh, I guess, parallel to the university league called the Canadian Junior Football League. And it's for mm-hmm. players that are 17 to 22. And a bunch of them, half, usually half the players on those teams, didn't decide they didn't want to go to university, so they have like jobs, and that league dates back to dates back almost a hundred years, and so the Hilltops in Saskatoon are well established, and they've been a big uh, big supporter of the Valkyries here too, and down in Regina, the uh, the uh, CJFL team down there, the Regina uh, Regina Thunder are a huge supporter of the Riot, and so uh, so of course they and of course on both those teams like you'll have like coaches from the university and junior teams also being coaches with either the Valkyries or the Riot. So there's there's a there's a sharing of coaching lines that way that with the two I guess post secondary teams. But yeah the CFL teams do help out with um with equipment. I think they also help out with some sponsorships. I don't know totally the extent so you'll have to excuse me there. I think I also remember uh, one of the uh, a couple of the Rough Riders had been on uh, former Saskatchewan Rough Riders had been on the uh, staff of the Regina Riot in the past too. So yeah, so you get some help uh, that way too. So yeah, so, so yeah, no, it's a it's been a been a good community thing that way. So Darren, in in your perspective, you've been a fan. Is is, is the mm-hmm. turnout increasing because of the awareness and because of the maybe 
the support from obviously different levels of the men's and and uh, boys clubs. Yeah, the sports uh, the sport has been uh, the sport has been growing. I've seen with the two Saskatchewan teams, they both have very healthy fan bases. Um, and and uh, I'm also remember on the in the Western Conference in the Western Western Women's Canadian Football League, the uh, Lethbridge uh, Steel have a pretty good fan base. Um, there too, because uh, Lethbridge, a lot of their players sometimes they'll draw them from the. Uh, uh, there's a local high school rugby team there, uh, the women's team that's really good out in Raymond, and after they graduate, those girls are looking to still play a contact sport. So, a bunch of them that uh, stick around in that area basically suit up for the Lethbridge Steel. So they, so they're entrenched in the community that way. So they got a bunch of support. And the bigger cities, I'd say the support. The sport is there, but of course, when you're in Winnipeg and sometimes Edmonton and Calgary, things can get a bit can get a, get a bit lost there, just because the city's so much bigger. And and also, too, you remember the league; it, it is still like a working person's league. Like well, all the players still have actual jobs that they go to, like eight to five, like Monday to Friday, or on the weekends, and they practice at night and they play on the weekends when they're not playing games. Um, so of course that sometimes will lead into the time we get to focus on stuff in the bigger cities. I find it will sometimes be more of a distraction. You're having to deal with uh, real life stuff, but yeah, in Saskatchewan, I'd say the fan bases has always been, there's always been a big fan base and it's grown, especially, um, in like in Saskatoon itself, there's a, cause the Valkyries are here. There's now like a, uh, girls flag football league, and uh, you basically have players. Oh man, I think it's like something from eight to all the way through to high school, and they're expecting. I think at the high school level, they're expecting to have like what you call it, six teams when they first started the high school at the flag league at the high school level, and I think they ended up with something like twenty nine teams. So yeah, That's a good they're, they're doing really good. The interest is there. Yeah, the interest is there. Um, yeah. So, Darren, and also another thing you're seeing uh, also with the flag leagues is um, some of those players that played in the flag leagues in Saskatoon are now like rookie members with the Valkyries this year. As there's like 27 first year players on the Valkyries this year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, Troy, you got anything so, for Darren? Hey, Darren, how's it going? Troy Wilson. It's going good. How are things going out with we going with you there, Troy? Pretty good, pretty good. I can't complain. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, with the with all the interest uh, starting to, you know, um, to infiltrate into the women's game, because you're seeing a lot of teams overseas, uh, here in mm-hmm. the states, up there in Canada. Where do you see the future of women's football? I know that's a pretty broad question, but you know, I think all of us have a bit of a crystal ball, and we all kind of. I've heard so many differing opinions as far as, like, where we think the game is going uh, and where it's headed. Where do you see the game headed in, say, maybe five years from now? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a good question. Um, in, five years, in five years from now, um, I think we'll see a league where one thing where I'd hope in Canada is five years from now, what would be kind of a nice dream thing is if you had a total – if for the club teams, like teams coming out of the Western Women's Football, Canadian Football League, if you could play interconference-wise and have, like, a national championship. Like I say, I'm not totally familiar with what there is 
down east, uh, like you say, you kind of get kind of regionalized in your own little area here. So, but yeah, I could see maybe some type of cross conference play there. Maybe five years from now, there you might end up happening where you'll have like women's teams from Canada playing the odd exhibition game against women's teams from the States. And cause I know that happens a lot at the university level where uh, a Canadian team will play like a U.S. team in like uh, the NAIA or NCAA division three. And then they of course have a discussion about how they're going to divvy up the rules. Cause of course up here, they all play under Canadian rules with, three downs and fields that are 110 yards long between the end zones and things like that. All the quirky, quirky rules that uh, all the Americans like to make fun of, like the uh, single points for missed field goals and rouges for punts into the end zone and kind of things like that. So, but yeah, I can uh, do five years. <laughs> yeah, that definitely so, makes for an interesting conversation, especially when you, you're doing that, uh, you know, uh, teams from the States and I guess teams mm-hmm. from Canada, because as you said, the, the rule differences. So that definitely would make for an interesting conversation as far as, like, you know, how the rules are going to go. Maybe they would do it, like, from a baseball standpoint, you know, if you're playing in an American League stadium and you go off the American League rules, stuff like that, you know. Um, another question I have for you. Um, up there in, in Regina, um, do you mm-hmm. see that that's pretty much like the area where you see the most interest in the game? Uh, for Saskatchewan? Um, yes. Pretty much for Saskatchewan for football, the interest in football is all over this province because um, besides, of course, you having a whole lot of high school teams in Regina and then also having a whole lot of high school teams in Saskatoon, most of the a lot of the little, uh, the majority of the little towns in uh, the rural areas in Saskatchewan will either have like six man or nine man high school teams, and players from those teams will go out and play for the university, the university teams or the junior teams, or and sometimes uh, you'll get guys that go all the way to the CFL and and some some smaller, well, I guess Medicine Hat isn't that big of a smaller community. I'm thinking in Alberta, but Medicine Hat, it's a city of sixty thousand. They had Dan Federkyle who went and played four years for the Indianapolis Colts, so you have that odd story. But, but yeah, no, in Saskatchewan, like football, strong all over because like the CFL team, the Rough Riders, they draw from like the whole province. You have people drive from four hours out of uh, four hours away from all areas of the province to games there, and like and a thirty thousand seat stadium there. Usually, about uh, I would say about maybe a third of the crowd is from outside of Regina. And like you say, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, you wouldn't believe the commitment. Yeah. People make to the game, but yeah. And also like in the small towns, like I remember uh, the small town, uh, my cousin uh, Rick was from, it's called uh, Etonia and it's probably a small town of like 700 people. They have a six men high school team and Friday night when they play the town basically shuts down. And uh, all the farmers stop their farming and everybody's at the high school football game for the night. Like, that's the type of culture that's up here in Saskatchewan for the game. Yeah, see, that, the equivalent of that would be in, in the States would be Texas. Because, uh, tech, I mean, it's the same thing. The whole town shuts mm-hmm. down when it's a football game. So you love to see, you know, the entire town just get behind their team and just have that football um, yeah, yeah, football in, in Saskatchewan has often been described the sport for the sport in Saskatchewan has been compared to Texas actually quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
Awesome. Hey, you can't go wrong so, with Texas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I just, oh, I just no. saw a report that they're building a, in one Texas town, they're building like a $62 million stadium for the high school team. I mean, that's the kind <laughs> yeah, of just dedication the high school this, this, this. That, that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. I can't remember how much so, the Rough Riders' new stadiums cost, but it's it's coming along pretty nicely, and that thing is beautiful. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. uh, in regards to the the, the women, um, mm-hmm. when you're looking at the background of some of the ladies who uh, play the game, what are some of their athletic backgrounds? Uh, have you seen a lot of them playing? Because I'm I'm assuming here that a lot of them didn't play, or maybe they did play high school football. Because you don't see a lot of that here in the state. So, what are their usually their athletic backgrounds that decide to end up uh, playing uh, women's football? Oh man, yeah, the athletic backgrounds are pretty much spread out all over the place. You'll have the odd player that played high school football, like like even up here you don't see it often. Like the odd time you'll have a girl on like a high school team and maybe like one or two like a year or something like that. But no, the athletic backgrounds like the players have come from all sorts of sports. Like uh, I remember the Valkyries used to have Julie Page on their team and she used to be a star hockey player. Oh, Canada, of course, a uh, hockey. And um, she was the, when she played for the <laughs> University of Saskatchewan Huskies, she was like a league MVP, like the conference MVP for that league. Right. And she was really good. And then you got um, Samantha Matheson, who's uh, a really good running back for the Valkyries. She was a, a former rugby and soccer, soccer player. You'll see a lot of girls that have played rugby go into football because it is a contact sport. And I also find the rugby girls seem to know how to tackle really well. They seem to – Oh, yeah. That skill is really that skill is really good there. And taught, sometimes I think maybe the guys maybe should go play rugby a little more in the off season just so that they know how to tackle better so or tackle oh, with yeah. proper technique. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, we also got track athletes like um, uh, Julie, uh, Julie Fries, Julian Friesen uh, from the Valkyries. She used to be a U of S Huskies uh, track sprinter, and uh, she has a whole ton of speed and stuff, so they always try to get her to the ball on the outside because when she has lane, she takes off. And then you'll get players that are, have played, like, softball and stuff. And, yeah, they call, come from all, all sorts of backgrounds. I know it's like the Regina and Saskatoon teams, what they'll do is – like especially when they first start up, is they looked at like athletes that were just about to finish their university careers for whatever team that they were playing them, and they're just like, okay, that person's a pure athlete. Maybe we can talk them into playing football because they're five. They're five. You get five years to play university up here, and once their five years is up, uh, usually they're pretty much most most players are done athletically. So this gives them another. Another thing to do, you also have some basketball players too. Uh, Marcy Kislik, uh, the best receiver on the Valkyries, she used to play for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies women's basketball team. So, yeah, the sporting background, yeah, it's all over the place. Awesome, awesome. So, so Darren, do me a favor, man. Do, do us all a favor. Tell us a little bit about Stank Sports, what you cover, uh, how long you've been doing it. Just give us some insight on yourself, brother. Okay, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, of course, way back in the day for playing for myself, I used to be, I used to be a football football guy, but, uh, of course, when I graduated from the University of Regina, yeah, when you go into media, you end up in Canada, 
inevitably covering hockey. And so I'm best known more up here as a beat writer covering the Western Hockey League for 15 seasons. But, of course, I've I've always kept interest in other sports. Uh, two years ago, I moved back to Saskatoon. So, um, of course, I started up, uh, well, of course, my Twitter account, I switched over to Stank Sports to differentiate it from where the media outlets I worked from for before. And, of course, I do my blog called Stank Sermon. And that's at stanksermon.blogspot.ca. And uh, basically, I go to sports that interest me, that I, that, that I have an interest in. So my main sports I focus on are usually like football and hockey and hockey during the winter and football during the summer. And uh, so and the main two football teams I cover cover out here being based in Saskatoon as I do a decent amount of stories, of course, on the Valkyries and the Hilltops. I will touch on the Huskies a bit. Um, I also get to, with the Valkyries having to play, having, due to the fact the Valkyries play their giant ride a lot, too, I do get familiar with the Riots team too. They, their quarterback, uh, uh, Amy, is really good, and their coaching staff. One of my old buddies, Morgan Bunce, is their defensive coordinator. He's also the Thunder outstanding defensive coordinator. He's really good too. So, yeah, so I cover all sorts of sports up here and uh, work on a freelance basis for various publications and. Um, like I say, I moved back to Saskatoon to be closer to family, and uh, yeah, the two years it's been a different two years because I've been doing my own thing. But it's, I guess it's been a it's been a fun different two years, we'll say. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. All right, so everyone out there, please go ahead and follow Stank Sports on Twitter. That's S T A N K Sports on Twitter. It covers W W C F L and all kinds of other sports, hockey, everything, man. So that's the guy to watch. Yep, that, definitely. Thanks for thanks for the plug. I love that. That was sweet. Absolutely, man. That's what we do here, man. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it was a, no. I was thinking the plug. It was almost a sweet plug. One of my old buddies, Chunky Adams, who played with uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's good with the plugs like that too. Good deal. Good you got to yeah. you got you to type in when you can. You got to chime in when you can because yeah. if you you don't get much time. No, you're kidding. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Darren, um, in the same lines that Troy was asking, you're you're covering similar sports. You know, there's similar sports uh, in certain areas that uh, the female a female will attract to. And you were talking about the mm-hmm. correlation between rugby and gridiron. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. because because of the university pool that you're saying, is that really, you think that that has contributed to the Valkyrie's success as a dynasty in this league so early? Yeah, that, that has, uh, for the fact that, like I say, they've gone out and like say Jeff Yowsey and the coaches that came from, because of course, all their corners either came from the Huskies, their coaches came from Huskies or Hilltops. That was a big deal. Cause they, like I say, they went out, they found, people that were great athletes and that were just finishing up their careers in various sports and uh like good athletes are good athletes no matter kind of for most times no matter what sport they play and they're just able to pick up skills really well and also too just like the athletic thing like uh like you say julian freeze and she used to forget what her time was in like the 400 meter dash but it was like something, I think it was, oh, I can't remember, it was like 55 seconds or something. But if you got, like, speed, you either have speed or you don't. And sometimes for things like that, 
you just you either have it or you don't. There's uh, if you can find get people that have that that attribute, you go out and get them and and yeah. So that's that's helped uh, the Valkyrie success and also for both them and the Riot. And it's funny because the Valkyries and Riot actually have a pretty good rivalry. Well, in football in Saskatchewan, the Saskatoon and Regina teams, be it the CJFL or University or the Western Women's Canadian Football League, they all kind of have some pretty good little Civil War rivalries there. And uh, so now, after they've collected, gathered up the athletes, both, uh, I know, the Valkyries and Riot, their players will work out, like, in the off-season, and I think they realistically only take, like, a month off, but they'll when their season's not on, they'll be, they'll be either lifting weights or doing, like, cardio stuff and whatnot when they're done work to get ready for the next football season. And that's also shown because I noticed when Regina's team got better, and, of course, Regina's team got to the point where they knocked the Valkyries off last year, was all the their years of uh, – their four years to, of doing off-season workouts finally started to pay off. And, like, and also they got some outstanding coaches and athletes too. And uh, all of a sudden, like, their games with the Valkyries were, like, were killer like they were really they were really really good and uh like the games they played last last season were probably one well, when i saw them in 2012 like they're probably five five or six times better than they were back in 2012 now the riots has come along in the last uh well last year for sure but the the year before yeah. that they were building they were you could see the the, the momentum and beating uh, beating the Valkyries in in-season play was probably the highest moment of that franchise, and then also to beat them for the uh, for the birth to the championship was just a huge moment for them. I think uh, uh, this are these the two marquee teams you think in your in your estimation? Uh, are we looking at the two best teams in this league? Oh yeah, those two teams for sure right now are the two best teams in the league Cause right now in the Western Conference. Um, Edmonton and Lethbridge will have popped up. Like, you know, Lethbridge has been close in a couple finals, but but usually the Valkyries and Riot, once they get out of their side, they usually, they're usually able to win. Even if, it, even if the win is close, it's still by, like, close is, like, by 14 points. But, yeah, no, the Riot and Valkyries are the two best, are the two marquee teams in the league. And, yeah, it's uh, when they get together, like, it's almost uh, – how can I almost describe the rivalry in the games? It's almost like uh, like 49ers Cowboys from like the uh, early 1990s. It's almost like that sort of deal in the league right now. And I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I mean, last year, last year oh. you had Carmen Agar uh, on the right. I think that made a big difference on their running game. And then you also, mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about Amy Kowalski, which is yeah. you know. Uh, a world world class quarterback. I mean, she was on the actual football Canada national team. So uh, it was just a. I think it's just a matter of time. It wasn't. I, oh, I yeah. don't believe from what I read last year. It was just a matter of time before you know uh, these two teams, similar to what we had in the in the states last week. We had uh, you know Chicago mm-hmm. Force taking on the DC Divas, which mm-hmm. is a huge rivalry in the states, and this is probably the rivalry in the league. I know that Lethbridge has competed as well as Edmonton, but most of the results in the championship game have been uh, somewhat blowouts. There, I don't think I've seen a competitive game. And I know the championship last year was a blowout based on the fact that 
like you said, oh, yeah. you move off the province to the next province, and the quality of play, it, I mean, they get to the playoffs, they get to the final game, but the level of play is uh, not as competitive, if you want if you want to say that. Yeah, it's just, yeah, the right right now, the right and Valkyries are basically like two or three steps ahead of all the other teams where they're at right now. They're two or three steps ahead of all the other teams in the league, and and like you say, last year when the Lariat came up, like uh, their three head-to-head games with the Valkyries, the first game, uh, Saskatoon won. I believe it was like 28-17. Uh, that was down in Regina, and and the uh, the Valkyries pulled away with a late touchdown. And what was interesting about that game was uh, Amy Kowalski hit a lot of her receivers, and she had a lot. There were a lot of drop passes in that game on Regina's side. And when I look back at the misplays they had. I'm like, well, if they would have completed all those passes, the, the the Valkyries could have been in could have been in a heap of trouble. And then they played a week later in Sask- Saskatoon, and uh, and of course, Regina's passing game was on that day. I can't even remember how many yards they had, but there were no drop there were no drops in that game, and so they had both facets working really well. Of course, that ended up being the Valkyries' first home loss ever, and it was a convincing one. I think, if memory recalls, it was ended up being forty-nine to nine. Like it was, it was, it was a definite loss. It was a definite loss. But of course, like I say, the coaching staffs are on both sides are really good. So, so the for Saskatoon, it was a big learning learning experience going through that, and then when. It got to the championship game. Uh, the Valkyries are pretty motivated to try and get back in that championship game. It ended up being a pretty barn burner. And also, the coaches had to use strategy because in the in the Prairie Conference championship game, there was a big wind blowing at down at Taylor Field or Mosaic Stadium in Regina that day. And uh, if people uh, in the states like when the winds get blowing at the stadium in Regina, the Rough Riders Stadium in Regina, it's almost like the winds at Soldier Field. Like it can wow. really affect the game. Like it really affects the game. So whoever had the wind, um, basically, had like a big advantage in that game at at that time. So the way the coin tosses came down to the Valkyries ended up getting the wind for the fourth quarter. And one of the strategy things they did, because um, one of our weird Canada rules that we have here, um, if you give up uh, when the Valkyries were going into the wind. Like they're having, of course, a hard. Both teams were having a hard time punting into it, right? It's really stiff. So one of the weird Canadian rules are, is if you give up a safety, you can kick off, and you kicked off from the 35. So you're getting, and your kickoffs when you drive them low, you're still getting yards off a kickoff. So you're right. teams back. So the Valkyries actually gave up uh, four safety touches uh, during when they didn't have the wind. Uh, and we're going against the wind. So uh, they went into the fourth quarter, and they're down 28-7. to seven. But you always forget the way the timing rules work. The fourth quarter and the second quarter, of course, are kind of always the longer quarter. And so, um, and then at that point, Saskatoon started to click. They got a big, long pass play to Kieselik, and then Sam Matheson ran in for a touchdown. And then they went for a two, actually, off after that first touchdown. They got the two-point conversion, so it was 28-15. And at that time, when they scored, there's still about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and and then they had Regina pinned, and um, so because of the wind and Regina, well, usually when they had to punt, they were still kind of about their own forty, 
but when they would when they would punt, the ball would still end up about midfield after the change of possession. So the Valkyries drove down two other times, and Sam Matheson had like two big touchdowns, and so. Saskatoon pulled ahead and they were up 20, 29 to 28. And I think there was about a minute 31 to go in the game. And I remember being shooting pictures of the sidelines that game and thinking, well, I think Saskatoon's going to win this because now Regina has to try and drive for a win and try and drive for winning score. And if they want to try and get a field goal, like they'd have to get really close. Right. And so on that final drive, like uh, basically Amy Kowalski and Carmen Agar are basically willed their way and made some just amazing plays like running the ball to get the right downfield and they basically with seconds left the right got down into field goal range for a 13 yard uh, field goal and uh, and uh, basically Morgan Turner the kicker made the field goal and of course the right won the game 31-29 that was uh, as far as drama excitement that was probably the most compelling game and probably the best game in the history of the Western Western Women's Canadian Football League to this point in time. Now, uh, like it was a Darren, killer, it was a killer cu- game. Yeah, it, it was probably one of the most exciting uh, games, you know, to date in terms of the league history, in terms of a classic. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think the coverage? Do you think the coverage will go to YouTube format? Do you know of anything if they've considered doing like, you know, any other video formatting so the people can get to watch? I know they were on community television. Right, so uh, in yeah, terms of ride, a certain pro, I think it's let's catch one. Yeah, the ride, uh, of course, um, we're on uh, Access Seven because, uh, of course, Regina still has a huge, uh, has a community basically cable station down there, and yeah, when they do the TV broadcasts of riot game of riot games, like they have sideline reporters and everything, like it's pretty first rate. I haven't heard anything right now. If they're gonna try and stream for video or I don't they haven't gotten to that point yet I'm not sure if that would be when works at any time in the future Uh, the other thing that kind of sucks in Canada right now is um, there's been so many media cuts up here like most of the most of the media outlets in Canada have been swallowed up by like basically three or four big entities and um, and basically the media the media side itself their focus uh, a lot of times, if you're not basically the NHL or the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or the Toronto Raptors or the Toronto Blue Jays, you don't really get much coverage because a lot of the uh, a lot of the outlets in Canada, when you're in the smaller, like well, not even the smaller centers, like well, like cities of eighty thousand, will maybe have like one sports person's gotten down to that, or like in South oh, wow. you might have two or three, and and partially the problem with the media up here is like the big companies have basically bought everything up on credit and they can't pay the interest on the debt. So that's where they've run into, wow. run into trouble, <laughs> run into trouble so I guess, up here. So that's, that's affected. So, I mean, I guess the free, the freelancers, the freelancers are the only thing that are really covering it. Right. Besides uh, social media base. Right. Yeah. And basically guys like me that were uh, of course in the mainstream media, like when I worked with, the Medicine Hat News, like we were all part of Canadian Press. Like Canadian Press doesn't even, as a wire service, doesn't really cover wow. like a whole lot outside of NHL and stuff anymore. But yeah, we it's basically become guys like us that have had like our own online startups that have still kept following the thing. And uh, I think half the time is because we don't really know any better. But 
But uh, we enjoy also going to the games, and that's why that's why we do it. Otherwise, yeah, but you know, it's, 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 you got to take you got to take pride. Uh, I think you got to take pride in the fact that uh, it's something that's growing, and and uh, you know, in terms of participation, um, you can put a name out for yourself in terms of you know attaching to a league that obviously is starting from the ground up and going forward. Um, before I let you go, Darren, in this league. It's very rare to find a female coaching or a female head coach, and this league has two uh, female coaches uh, in Edmonton and Lethbridge, two of the teams mm-hmm. that are obviously very competitive on the Western Conference side. What do you know of, mm-hmm. of that aspect of, of the league? Um, uh, very, very little. I know there was when uh, Lethbridge got got a female coach. There was a lot of excitement around that, and uh, what you're finding a uh, for the Saskatoon teams, I know with the Valkyries, uh, in the last couple of years, a couple of their ex-players have uh, become position coaches. So mm-hmm. that's, our, I think, basically at the point the league is still, like I say, this is the league's sixth season. Things are still, like, so new if you haven't had the chance for that to start to cycle through where ex-players end up sticking around with the game and end up coaching, end up coaching the tackle teams. I know with the flag league here, most of the Valkyries players end up coaching the girls that play in the flag league, so they're involved that way. But I think as a few more years go on, you will see more and more female coaches in the league. Um, It's good to see that there's a couple head coaches right now. Like, that's really encouraging to see. But as I say, when the league gets a few more years older yet, then when some of the players are like, oh, I'm feeling a bit banged up, I don't think I can do the playing thing anymore, but I still want to be involved. And ah, oh, coaching is a way to be involved, and the light light will go on. I know up in Saskatoon, you're getting a few more female officials actually showing, starting to show up in the football leagues here, where you have females that are actually refing games. So that's yeah. starting to, but it's still it's still in a, at a point where it's at its kind of infancy. So right. it'll be interesting to see where that goes in like five five years or ten years after the league gets a little bit older. As I say, like you say, yeah, well, hats, here, hats off to them because, yeah. I mean, that's something of a – that's something that the states have struggled with a lot. And given the fact mm-hmm. that the NFL is way bigger, uh, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of scope, uh, you know, we had yeah. just the news this week where uh, Katie Sowers is going to go ahead and intern just like uh, Jane Welker did last year with mm-hmm. the Cardinals now. She's going to go ahead and intern as wide receivers, intern coach with the Atlanta Falcons in this coming season. So it's, it's really exciting times in terms of the transition from, like you said, the players that are probably exiting, you know, based on the last couple of seasons. Now they're getting to that level of awareness where their physicality is going to be an issue, but you know, the mental awareness of the sport and the teachings of the sport is going to be a plus and asset. I know uh, from what my notes had, Lethbridge has coach uh, Kessie Stanat, uh, Stefanik, and then you have Edmonton head coach Karen Simmons. So uh, mm-hmm. we will see uh, how that works out this year in terms of their teams. But that's that's mm-hmm. a huge, uh, you know, accomplishment for the WWCFL to begin to incorporate uh, female coaches into their, uh, you know, regime of high level, uh, you know, leadership. And that's awesome. Yeah, to, and, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah. And then with the Valkyries, I think. Beth Thompson, uh, their best linebacker, who's been with the team six years, she's still playing. She's technically player coach because I believe she's a linebacker's position coach as well as 
of course, still playing. So, and they right. had one of their former, and the last year, I can't remember what her name was, but the last couple of years they had one of their former O linemen as their line coach. So yeah. So they are being cool. they are they are being as you said uh, mentored into the coaching programs, and I know Football Canada was probably one of the first uh, body governing bodies that has uh, incorporated a program where they are able to, you know, go through the program and then at that point seek opportunities, whether it's not just strictly for in the women's game, but seek opportunities in every level of football, would be university, juniors, or at the high yeah. level, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so that's, that's awesome. Darren, thank you for the time. Really appreciate it. We would uh, really appreciate if you come forward at this point back in maybe in the midseason because we're starting off early and maybe give us an idea of perspective in terms of what you feel, you know, uh, the playoffs are going to look like. And then before we get to that, you know, final conference championships, before we get to the finals. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and making the time. I know you're a busy man, so. No, it was uh, it was fun, and thanks, guys, for having me. Appreciate you, Darren. Awesome. Thanks, so, Darren, uh, let everybody know uh, where they can find you on your social sites one more time before we go. Okay, of course, on Twitter, my uh, tag is, of course, is Stank Sports, and that's S-T-A-N-K-S, Sports. And uh, my blog is uh, Stank Sermon, uh, Stanks, S-T-A-N-K-S, Sermon.blogspot.ca. Awesome. So, Darren, thank you. Enjoy uh, your uh, stay out there, safe travels uh, while freelancing out there, and we'll keep tabs on you uh, on Twitter. And uh, thanks uh, okay. in helping us out with uh, spreading the word on Women's Gridiron. We really uh, like your insights and your pieces, so continue to uh, you know spotlight some of the talented players in the uh, WWCFL for us. Thank you. Uh, Ed, thanks for having me, and uh, look forward to talking to you guys again. Appreciate you, Darren. Thanks, All right, Darren. Have a great evening. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. All right. So, Troy, um, this is an eight-league eight league, uh, team. And um, the Valkyrie Saskatoon, like he was talking about, the dominant team, they've won the title except for last year. This is, uh, I think, a six-year-old, yeah, six-year-old league. So they won the title almost four, four years in a row almost. Um, so, you know, a very good football. Uh, the, Canadian, the Football Canada squad was uh, finished in the World Championships in 2010-2013 as silver finalist. So you've they, they got to give you credit there. There's a, another league, the Maritime, not as big, only four teams, but uh, this is probably the elite team in Canada. So it's good to hear that they're obviously progressing and, you know, they're getting a fanfare and they're being supported by the CFL, especially last year when they, they had their championship at the home of the Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers and also the governing body in of football, football Manitoba actually uh, helped sponsor the game for the championship. So, and both well for them in terms of the uh, future for the league. Yeah, absolutely. And it also both well for the exposure. I mean, the CFL is, is big up there. They attach their name to people are going to pay attention to. So, you know, that, that just gives the, the women's game a lot more fanfare, a lot more exposure. Awesome. So we are going to bring in uh, Captain uh, Crutches so we can go over the WFA recap. Um, Holly Custis uh, will be joining us right now. Uh, Holly, how you doing? How's it going? Good. How are you doing? We're doing good. Um, besides choice tornadoes and hurricanes out west or out east, I'm I'm chilling out here out west. So. <laughs> you know, I actually had a dream last night about tornadoes. 
So maybe that's a premonition. I don't know, but I actually had a dream about uh, tornadoes last night. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Holly, the breaking news. The breaking news was uh, Katie Sowers uh, interning at Atlanta Falcons. Uh, any thoughts there? What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, obviously, um, last year, you know, it was a big deal with Jen Walter um, and then uh, Sarah Thomas as well. And it seems like the doors are starting to open, uh, you know. And uh, both Katie and her sister Liz have been, uh, you know, really great athletes in our league. And so um, uh, they've also done a really great job of getting themselves out there. And like we've kind of discussed before, one of the things I I realized in the last few years here is um, the importance of networking. And it seems like both of those uh, Sour Sisters are very good at that. And so I'm very excited for for Katie because I think this will be uh, a great opportunity for her as a person as well as an opportunity to, again, uh, showcase our sport on a, on a larger stage because obviously they're going to, you know, people are going to start paying attention as to where are all these women coming from that are starting to coach, you know, on, on the men's side. Where are these people coming from? And so hopefully that will bring attention back to our sport. So I'm excited about it. I think the biggest key we have to take away from these two, uh, this, these, these two aspects of, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say intrusion or intruding into the NFL, but I would call it more of a, a transitioning from the coaching aspect that we had talked about before, how everybody's about to point to exit out. And this really gives mm-hmm. her, I mean, she's been a long tenured quarterback in this league. It sort of gives her a good opportunity. So when the playing time is over, she's able to either, you know, attach herself to uh, a squad on the NFL level, uh, maybe at a college mm-hmm. level. Uh, so the opportunities are going to be there. And they're always part of the Play 360 program anyways, from what I hear. And she works down in right. her local community with that plan. So that is good networking right there, just to, just you know, to kind of touch base with a lot of people nationally. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's really exciting for me having been, this is, you know, my tenth season um, in, in in the sport, and seeing some of these opportunities open up every year, it seems like the opportunities um, are increasing exponentially, and it's really exciting to see some of these players that I've played against or, or with, and the great things that they're doing. Because it's kind of like you're in this football for, uh, fraternity, and so once you know one of the people in your fraternity are out there making a name. It, you automatically feel excited because you, you know that you had an equal part in that because we're all sisters in this in the same struggle together. So it, it's exciting. I'm I'm I don't even know how to describe it. I, I just feel like the more of us that that put ourselves out there, it's only going to help propel this uh, snowball down the hill further. And it's only going to open up more doors, and then behind us, the next generation will come up and push it even further. Yeah, I think you know, we, me and Tori talked about before about how the evolution of the sport in terms of the women's game to get to get noticed. Not just we talk about a lot of it in marketing, and this is good marketing mm-hmm. right there. This is this is about the best marketing you can get. You know, the the ability to participate at a 
you know, good promotional uh, grassroots program like Play 360 evolved mm-hmm. yourself into an opportunity to actually get on a coaching staff. I mean, the goal at this point is I know Jen didn't get hired, but the goal here is that maybe one of these opportunities will, you know, somebody will get hired onto an actual staff. Um, and then we get, you know, we get the opportunity there to really, uh, you know, showcase their talents in terms of coaching, in, cur- in terms of planning on a, on, in a real life game, not just a preseason game, but a, a real NFL regular game. That's going to be the highlight, mm-hmm. I think. You know, there's that old saying in football of uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. I think that's kind of how yep. it's been. You know, we've we've uh, pushed a little bit, pushed a little bit, pushed a little bit, and then it seems like the past maybe three or four years we're, we're starting to really move the ball down the field. And so it's really kind of cool because I remember when we were getting a yard at a time, if that, and now all of a sudden we're getting ch- chunks of yardage, getting people into great situations, getting them onto NFL sidelines, you know, being on a part of the camp uh, where we'll be on NFL films, like being at the Saints facilities. It's just, it's amazing. It's really exciting. We were just talking about, Holly, we were just talking about the w, the WWCFL up north in Canada, which they've provided mm-hmm. probably the majority of the players on the uh, silver medals teams in, for Football Canada at the I-5 championships. Right. So, we're, you know, the, the same level of awareness is starting to evolve, not just in the States, but you're, you're having, you know, the involvement of the benefit. The Canadian Football League actually sees a benefit in terms of pairing up with the WWCFL, which I believe – and we've talked at length in past shows and, you know, in the past years, I truly believe uh, that because we have a broken puzzle between two leagues that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I talked to Rich Daniel, I've talked to, you know, various other people in, in, you know, in the game, Neil, Neil Rosenthal at length, <laughs> and you can talk to Neil for, for hours. But um, <laughs> the, the bottom line is, you know, the tier system that we started or that the league started this year, I think this is more beneficial for promotions than anything else. I mean, take a look at the game this week, and we'll go into the WFA now, but take a look at the game this week. If you saw it on YouTube, uh, Divas, Force, I mean, that was like no different than an NFL game. Um, the excitement was there. You had – the only difference is it wasn't on national TV. It isn't on NFL Network. It wasn't on CBS Sports or, you know, so forth. But it was on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really exciting to see that somebody actually made the effort to present that. And that was high caliber women's gridiron football right there. Uh, One touchdown difference, you know, and and so that's the game that we have to present or that marketers as marketers, that's what we have to present to the, uh, the NFL to take a gamble to a sponsor to take a gamble. I mean, divas versus force. That was just, you, you know, that's the best game you can put out there. And I think that's where, the focus has to be right now is that we, we as fans, uh, the players in this league and everybody involved in the league have to just wake up and say the tier one, the tier one teams, uh, somebody has to invest that next year. For example, I talked to some people at length, you know, the YouTube broadcast does not cost anything because you can get a YouTube channel with the license on it. What really costs and comes into effect is editing. You know, the, I, I go back to, let's say the LFL, for example, uh, the best thing they do is edit. They do really good previews. They do very good, uh, you know, profiles. 
And, and I think mm-hmm. the WFA needs that. They need a better editing, you know, for the show, for the program, even though the, the, the uh, call was awesome. You know, uh, Andy Garcia and uh, uh, Tricia, uh, they did an awesome job on the call, on the game. Everything was awesome, top notch. But I think that's where the next level that we're getting at, just like with Kate, uh, to Katie's uh, opportunity here, you know, Jen started it, all of a sudden now Katie's going into it. So the next level of broadcasting for the WFA is to really start to look at the tier one teams and at that point maybe contribute a little bit of funds to put, you know, a better uh, YouTube uh, broadcast in, in a mm-hmm. way where it looks more professional. And then you will draw the sponsors and say, oh, well, you know, that's awesome. I never heard of that or, you know, and that kind of thing. And then at, at that point we work on attendance. But I think if you get it out there on a social media fan base, uh, fan base mentality, uh, especially now that you have Facebook Live, I mean, uh, I think Neil did an awesome job with the DC Diva, you know, the pregame and the postgame on a, on mm-hmm. a Facebook Live mentality. Uh, so those little baby steps, like you said before, before we were, we were looking for yardage, I think we're at first downs now. And I think we need to just right. move forward to, you know, more first downs going to be the goal. I, I I totally agree. I mean, uh, one of the hard parts about the sport is there's been so many different leagues and so many different teams and variations of teams, and this team folds and a new team comes in its place, and, and then there's five teams in the same city or the same area. And, and I think in order for us to get to a point, get to where we want to go, we have to uh, we have to basically, you're right, focus on the tier one teams. Not that the other teams don't matter because they do. It just, I think, ultimately the bigger picture is that you have to, I think if we could develop it so that it's like the NFL where you have, you know, teams in, in the major markets and then maybe either have, uh, you know, uh, tier two or tier three or even have the tier two and tier three be developmental leagues or farm type systems, I think that would mm-hmm. be beneficial. Uh, but as far as a marketing standpoint, it's hard for a big corporation to – because if you spread the talent too thin, then then you get games where it's like 80 to nothing, and that's been a problem in our sport. And now that you see the Tier 1 system, you see – you're going to see, especially in the playoffs, closer games and, and more games where you see D.C. versus Chicago or Boston versus Pittsburgh. Like that type of game is going to draw more eyes. Um, and that's what we want to. That's what we want to get. I talked to Holly. I talked. To, I was talking to uh, uh, Don Heron, and we were talking, you know, just off off the record. But we were talking about how you have the tier one schedule set up, right? You know, you have you have the the whole WFA right. schedule. So it, it's a matter of taking a highlighter, and then you're going, okay, that's a great matchup, that's a great matchup, and this is going to be a great matchup. So technically, if you take Let's say you take the um, let's say you take the Legends Football League schedule, you know where they only mm-hmm. play four games out of the year, you know they only play four right. games. The WFA can do the same thing, even though they play right. eight weeks. The WFA can focus and say this: the, these four games are going to be our marquee games that we're going to go ahead and showcase on you know on YouTube f- platform, and so we have right. to have somebody there that day to do a good broadcast, to do some good high, you know some get some capture some good highlights. And things like that. Right. If you just took four good games uh, on the marquee schedule, then the playoffs would just be a bonus because you know that the playoff level of play 
is going to be so interesting that you should, you know, we should showcase it. I think it, the tier one teams, I think, are your bread and butter in terms of getting somebody to notice you because the, the right. play, the level of play is there. I mean, you, you're talking Allie Hamlin. You're talking uh, Rachel Gore. We're talking um, in Pittsburgh. You're talking Lisa Horton. I mean, you go down to um, in Boston. Um, and if you just go to the top teams or the top ten in the uh, tier one system, you already have stars. And I think this is what the yeah. league is missing. The fans cannot relate to the stars. And the only stars in, in, in any type of aspect of football, who want, nobody wants to hear about the linebacker. Nobody cares about the running back. The stars of football are quarterbacks. And if you have right. some good quarterbacks, they will draw in the fans. And I think that's where, that's where we're at right now. I think we're, the realization of the system is in place. Now the next year, for example, to going forward into the future, somebody has to start brainstorming that attitude about how can we showcase, you know, four games with our top best quarterbacks in this league matched up against each other. How can we do that? How can we right. have an, Al- an Allison Hamlin taking on the Lisa Horton, you know, twice a year so that the fans can actually see that reality of good play. You know, we're looking at Peyton Manning t- versus Tom Brady mentality, which is really what we need to see to draw in uh, the fans to get interested. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. And one of the things that has been another battle with our sport is the travel cost, right? And mm-hmm. and so that's yep. one of the, the arguments about having multiple teams in the same area. Um, but I think uh, on the one hand, you're cutting down your travel cost. On the other hand, you're mm-hmm. watering down the talent. So I mm-hmm. think for me, I'd much rather travel farther to play um, really, really competitive games. And so I think that's what we're starting to go towards with this tier system. But we, we don't want to ever uh, discourage anyone from playing, so we definitely need to keep the rest of the teams. We just need to do it in a way that benefits everybody because the, those teams that are brand-new teams, it never really benefited them to go play Dallas and get killed by 80 points. You know what I mean? So they also need to play competitive games so that they can get better as a team as well. And so I think we're starting to figure that out, which is exciting. But you're right about the marketing aspect. I mean, if you think about the NBA in the 90s, what did they do? They they got huge in like the 80s and the 90s really um, because they focused on their talent. They showcased, you know, Magic and they showcased Bird and and Jordan and and, and Drexler Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the dream team of 92. All the 12 guys on that team were, were superstars, and they were all very well, you know, promoted. And and that's what really made the NBA take off. And so I think we we definitely need to do a better job of making sure that we take care of promoting, um, you know, the stars. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can forget about the rest of the people, of course. It just means that as a as we have to think of it like a business. And, and yep. so you have to market your assets. And right now you have to figure out, okay, what do we have to showcase and focus on that? And then the rest will start to the talent and the competition level will rise automatically. That's something I've learned when I, when I go to like camps, when I first started going to like football camps and, and, you know, uh, 
training with different coaches and different players, that's what I learned most of all is that if you go to a place where somebody's spending the time and the money and the effort to go, their their competition level and determination is automatically going to be higher, which brings it out of you. And in turn, it brings out of them a higher level of determination and intensity. So you make each other better just by going. And so competition brings the best out of you. And so that's what I think we need to, to uh, continue to focus on, the competition and marketing uh, the big games and marketing the big players. Yeah, well, and the money the, side of things. Of, Go ahead, Troy. One of the things, and uh, just to, you know, just to give a differing opinion, uh, you know, as far as like the um, what really kind of uh, gets the fans involved, one of the, I remember one of the things that when when the LFL uh, came out and there was there is a YouTube highlight that kind of got circulated around Facebook and one of the biggest uh, or most viewed ones that I saw there had something to do with the LFL hits. So when you're seeing these when you're seeing these ladies out here laying other ladies out, that's just something we haven't seen before. I mean, like, right. you know, any time, and, and I hate to, you know, be the, you know, the, 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 the Neanderthal when I when I say about it, but it's, you're seeing another lady hit another lady. You're just not used to seeing that. So, right. you know, it, it kind of got so many views. So it's not, in my opinion, it's not just the quarterbacks, but it's the action that goes along with it. And when you're watching right. these ladies hit each other, and you do see some nice form tackles out there, but when you see someone get blown up, uh, just like a uh, uh, freight train, she got blown up this weekend with, uh, you know, the, the place for uh, uh, the Dallas Desire. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she got yep. knocked out of the goal line. So, and, and that was huge. I mean, it, they, the crowd went crazy. And when you see stuff like that, I mean, that's just stuff that you haven't – everyone loves big hits. So, it, it's not just the quarterbacks. It's, it's the action that goes along with it. So, all of it, to me, is symbiotic. But, of course, you know – the quarterbacks do move the needle because people want to see scores, but you don't want to see lopsided scores as much. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that we're having when you see, you know, teams scoring like 56 to nothing, you know, 48 to nothing, 56 to six. I agree with you guys on that one. That's, that's starting to become problematic. So it's like, you know, we have to figure out a way to kind of weed that out, either get some parity amongst the teams or, you know, start to tear the teams out. Yeah, yeah no, I totally agree with, with that. The pick and choose, I think, is really what what, we're, what they're missing. What I mean about the pick and choose is, you know, you have a YouTube format where you can upload. Nobody's expecting you to do a week a week by week game because you're not even known at this point. But what right. what we could do is, you put together a broadcast where the league handpicks certain games that were obviously relevant. See what I'm saying? So you know that a Boston-D.C. game is going to be very relevant. You know that a Pittsburgh-D.C. matchup or Pittsburgh-Chicago or, you know, Majestics in Portland, you know what I'm saying? There's going to be certain, certain teams that you, you're going to have to devote some commitment to so that you can put it out there, edit it, and to Troy's point, not just the quarterback, but you, when you edit something, you're able to take pieces of that game and then transpire, uh, transpose that into a wow factor for a person that's viewing it, you know, and then they get to understand, you know, who is a Devon Goldsmith from DC, 
wow, you know, she's a beast. And so now you start to create stars. Now we start to create the element of the personality. And then at that point, we take and say, whoa, I didn't, I didn't realize Holly Custis was a badass player. And so now we go from that to maybe an interview of some sort, you know what I mean? So the player, it, it's just the matter of uh, the matter of promotion and marketing. I think that's where we're at right now. We have too many stars from what I've, I've been covering this league for almost five years now. We have too many talented stars that we're not putting the faces front and center to anybody in America. You know, we're, we're, we're coupling. I don't know how many times Holly I've said to everybody on Facebook, if you're posting something on football related, please make it public. You have so many amazing videos out there or posts that people post, but they make it private. Okay, you're not going to reach anybody on a private mode. If you're going to put something, your blog, for example, is a perfect example. If you had your blog private, I mean, how many Facebook friends do you really have that are going to, you know, read that? But if you make it public. Not very many. And you, <laughs> right, right. If you make it public, you feed it to me, right? That's 5,000 on Twitter. You feed it to me, that's another 5,000 on Facebook. You feed it to me, there's another 5,000 on Instagram. You feed it to somebody else, that's another, five, you know what I mean? So the, the wave right. of the fact that, you know, there's Seattle Majestics football in Seattle for somebody that lives in the Northwest to really say, wow, I didn't even, didn't even know. The, the opportunity is there for us to get, you know, 15,000 shares to get some impressions back and then out of those impressions, maybe Gardner, I don't know, maybe a handful of fans in the stands, which would be anywhere from 25 to 50. So if you do 25 to 50, that's a good start. I think, I think part of it is that, um, you know, as women, we're taught, uh, we want the attention to come to us. We want to, like, just do a good job, and then somebody will come to our doorstep and say, you guys are awesome. But that's not how the world yeah. works, especially with women's sports right like we have to work so much harder to get any attention and men you yep. know they just wake up and somebody's knocking on the door and they want to know what they have for breakfast whether you know they care or not and as yep. women I think part of it is that on the field you know we play very hard and we're very strong individuals but we we haven't I don't think as a whole figured out the marketing portion yet we're starting to and I am starting to see other people take ownership of that. And and I yep. learned that kind of halfway through my career of my my personality type is I'm, you know, I'm a workhorse type person. Like I, I just go and I work hard. And what I figured out is that we need to stop being so polite as players and be more aggressive in the marketing aspect just like we are on the field. We need to take that energy and realize that, it's it's a business, and you as a player are uh, your own business and your own entity. And in order to do well on the field long term, you also need to – the marketing part is part of that. So uh, as much as your job is to go in and play football, the other portion is the marketing portion. And so you have a responsibility to the people who come in after you, the, the young kids growing up, to do what you can – to promote the sport now. And so I think people are starting to get more comfortable doing that. I see more and more people that are starting to, like, ride and and, and post videos, and it, it's starting to happen. But it needs to happen more. We need to stop being so damn polite about everything 
and 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 show the world how awesome we all are. We know, you know what? The the one uh, statement that I always make is, if you don't believe your sport is entertainment, then you're never going to get noticed. Because there's a fine line right. between the sport and entertainment. And what I mean by the entertainment is, the entertainment is the on-field play that you got to showcase on a good editing format, or somebody has to capture you in a good light for somebody to go, wow. You know, because in an entertainment world, it is a wow f- factor that catches attention. So you have right. to have some sort of some sort of drawing for them to realize, you know, the potential, and then to ask questions, and then to be intrigued. And I think that's the word. Um, you know, Odessa, Odessa gets it. She understands. Um, you know, she does a great job with with her uh, Dallas Elite promotions. I mean, you guys have done a great job. Um, you know, with with your guys' team as well with promoting. Um, the the thing is, the fans just. You know, the fans are not coming to see Seattle Majestics. The fans want to come see Holly Custis take on it's, – it's like a battle of the brawls, you know what I mean? When you can showcase mm-hmm. one face of your team and then put another face of the opponent's team and eventually gets to be normal where people can draw to you, uh, you know, Russell Wilson taking on Callan Kaepernick as an example, then people start to, yeah, I want to go see that. I want to go see that game, you know what I mean? Now you start to get attention. And I think that's where you the league is at now. You have that. good tier one. You have good tier one teams that you need to start elevating to that level. Well, when they start, uh, when you draw on the casual fan by, you know, marketing the big matchups and, and, and the big names, what happens is once the casual fan is actually at the game, they fall in love with the team and then they start to get to know sure. the rest of the people on the team, right? So, well, like, if you go correct. to, like, an NBA game, you might know, oh, that's Kobe. But if you go to a Laker game, all of a sudden now you know the rest of the team too. And you might pick out another favorite of yours that maybe is not the star, but you you know, you know, respect him for his ability to rebound or you see something right. in him you really like and you make that connection. But it, that the marketing portion of the big matchup is really just the foot in the door. It's just a matter yeah. of getting them into the stands. Once they get in the stands, then they see an entire product. Yeah. The the expense, what I'm saying is there's really no expense in terms of an of a uploading on YouTube and editing. The really expense will be a local expense. If you can get somebody right. to do a really nice video locally and how much will that cost? And then any the, and then you have to decide each market. You know, do you showcase like this past week was a perfect example, you know, uh the force really felt that showcasing the force against the divas was a marquee game for them to broadcast. And I think that's where it needs to start. You know what I mean? You guys against, um, you guys against Portland, because you know, what's going to happen, right? Holly, with the moment I turn around or the league turns around and says, Holly, uh, by the way, next week you guys are on TV. Guess what? The level of play goes up. The pressure goes up. Cause now you're like, we're on TV. It's not like just 300 people in the stands. The potential of, you know, 1,000 to 10,000 views, you know, it's it's just great. So now it's like mm-hmm. the, the, the level of play gets heightened because you don't want to look like a smug out there on game day <laughs> and getting trashed. Uh, you, you know, you want to put on a good show. So uh, that's what I think where the tiers – I think the tier system uh, it really will benefit. Not that the lower tiers are any better, but you go in increments, mm-hmm. but – you know, you made a good point. You have to showcase the, you know, the cream of the crop. 
in order for a sponsor to take notice, in order for a local sponsor to take notice, and, in, and, and ultimately maybe somebody on a TV level to say, hey, we, we want to do that with you. Um, so those are the key right. things, you know, to do that. Um, so let's well, go kind of, into okay. Oh, go ahead. let's go into the uh, recap before we run out of time here. Um, Holly, uh, forty-one thirty-four, the Divas on the road uh, take care of Chicago. Chicago had some issues, you know, with you know penalties and stuff like that. And then obviously, um, you know, just like it was just one touchdown of a difference. And so, you know, that was it was a great game. That's all I gotta say. It was a great game from start to finish. Uh, they played really tough. Uh, the Divas ran out at, in the front. Uh, the Force had to come back. But, you know, the bottom line is it was pretty exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, going into that game, we all knew it was going to be a good one. And um, I, I think last week we, we kind of we kind of picked the game and that it was going to come down to the wire. And it came down to turnover at the very, you know, last minute there. So, uh, I think what you saw is that um, Chicago has been historically a great team, uh, but the, the version of them right now, DC, I think, has a little more uh, experience in that that team is still mostly intact from last year's championship run, and so maybe that was a factor. But on the uh, uh, on the whole, it was a great game, and so I would definitely you know love to watch them play again. Oh yeah, um, and and we have uh, we had talked about the schedule being a factor uh, towards the latter part of the season, and we're going to see a lot more of that this coming week because you're going to see Boston, uh, Pittsburgh, you're going to see DC again against Boston. Um, so there's a couple a, a couple more games coming down the slate in the in the next four weeks where we're going to see that uh, you know that tier one matchups. Uh, um, the top ten rankings. Uh, Neil posted the top ten rankings this week, so. We are looking at Dallas Elite as the premier team. And Troy had mentioned it way at the beginning, right, Troy? Uh, you were saying that they are the best team in the league until somebody else in their same tier beats them, and it won't happen until probably the playoffs. So until then, I think they, sh- they should be ranked number one uh, because they, they beat the Divas, they beat the Champs, and until somebody else beats them, which – that's the difference there because you go from uh, beating the Divas and now they're playing more of a Tier 2, Tier 3 teams, and, you know, you get mm-hmm. the donut results, which is, you know, the high score with the zeros on the end. Uh, but I think they're still good. Uh, you have the Divas ranked second, which uh, I think deserving, given the fact that they beat Chicago they beat and they got beat by the Elite, and they also beat Boston. So I think the ranking is probably very deserving. Um, Central Cal is on is ranked third right now. They haven't played anybody really competitive. Uh, they're playing tier two or and sometimes tier three quad, squads, but they they've given them or he's given them a nod of three. So if you if you want to disagree with any of these, you can go ahead. Well, I'm doing it. But um, Chicago drops to number four, and then you have Boston number five, Pittsburgh number six. And the same thing with the Passion, played everybody that they're supposed to play, but they have not played a Tier 1 team yet. So we'll see how Lisa Horton and the Passion fare up against when they play maybe the Renegades. Uh, you got Kansas City, who did play the Elite uh, about a week ago, or week, two weeks ago, and they got beat. Uh, so they dropped the seventh. The Warriors played tough this past week. Uh, we already know, and you know, Holly, Portland, 
Uh, Portland's pretty much a very good squad this year. Uh, playoff time will be the deciding factor of how good they are. I think if they, they make the playoffs, we're going to see exactly how, how good are Portland fighting shot waves. And then Atlanta got beat by De- um, the Divas in, the, in a couple weeks ago, so they only played that one-tier team. So top 10 team. Based on the rankings that uh, Neil put out, Eastern Conference rankings, you would have to put the Divas first, the fourth second, the Renegades third, the Passion fourth, Atlanta, and then Fusion. Out west, uh, in the uh, western, uh, you would have to put Dallas, Kansas City, uh, Central Cal War Angels, and your Majestics come in seventh, by the way. Um, it would be right. even before Arlington. So that that's part of the um, Massey ratings uh, roundup. What do, you, what do you think on that uh, in terms of the rankings? Well, um, I mean, a, a lot is yet to be determined. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the things that's tough about the, the Massey uh, ratings is that they uh, take into consideration strength of schedule, right? And right. so obviously some divisions uh, benefit from that and others uh, don't. So for us, for example, we have to, in order to get into the playoffs, probably we have to beat uh, Portland the, the last game. Um and I think, you know, for the most part, I think they're pretty accurate for what we have right now. But that's going to change probably in a week or two because a lot of these teams play each other. Uh, we obviously play Portland, um, and I know that a lot of the Eastern teams will continue to play each other. The Pittsburgh and, and Boston game should shake everything uh, back up again. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's going to be exciting no matter which way you cut it in the playoffs. Um, right now, as far as I understand, I think we have, I think, 13 or 14 Tier 1 teams. So most of them do make the playoffs. And as we continue to grow the tier system, I think you'll you'll see that getting even more competitive. So I'm excited to see what this brings. Uh, but right now, I think it's pretty accurate. So now we go next week. We go from Force Divas as a marquee matchup, which was awesome, 41 to 30, 34. We go from that to this coming week, we have Renegades against the Passion. <laughs> I mean, that just it, right. it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, I don't think there's any other game on the schedule this coming week that will equal that level of, of play. I, I, I saw the schedule up there. Even Chicago against Indy, I know Indy's been playing well, but what I'm saying is, you know, if you wanted to showcase the game to the sponsors like we did last week, which is Chicago against D.C., this is week seven. Uh, this is going to be the Passion's real first test. I know the Renegades have already played, you know, tier one squads already. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Passion against Boston, this is, this is one that you can't miss. I'm hoping that they will, uh, they will put it out on, um, on YouTube in terms of uh, Pittsburgh Passion. TV because that's this is going to be a great game. So, uh, what's your thoughts on it? Passion Renegades Horton against uh, you know the high speedy uh, Whitney Zealy as well. I think it's going to be a, a great game, but like you said, I think it's a great test for for Pittsburgh. I mean, uh, they obviously came back over to the WFA uh, this year after winning the championship in IWFL, and. I think it will be an opportunity for them to make a, a statement game of, hey, we've moved back over to, to this league and, and we're still a force to be reckoned with. Um, 
And but obviously Boston is a really strong team too, so they can make a statement as well. It's going to be a huge game as far as playoff rankings. Um, so it's definitely the marquee matchup of, of the week for sure. And we have one more intangible that I forgot to mention. The 26-game winning streak is on the line. Yes, for the <laughs> that last is a, that's a huge one. That is that is uh, you cannot get any better for this game. That right there is like you throw it right over the top. The game already is good, but when you say can Boston snap Pittsburgh's 26-game winning streak, wow. That right there is just a must-see, must-see game. And I, we're going to be excited this week because it's just, it's just – you can't – I mean, nobody's been able to beat them at this point. And, and I know the caliber of play in the IWFL wasn't as equal as to the WFA. And anybody – I know people are going to just criticize me and go, well, you're an idiot. No, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> uh, the fact is that's reality. And reality is we're going to see exactly what Pittsburgh's made of when they get to play Tier 1 squad – uh, their their 26 game winning streak is on the line. This is huge. This is not like anything else. It's, they can, you know, it's not like a regular season game with no implications. But uh, Pittsburgh comes in with a historic record, and anytime in sports that you can upset somebody or break their streak, that's that's got to be huge. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I can't wait. I'm just like so excited. <laughs> I wish it was tomorrow. <laughs> We're getting closer. Yeah. So what do you think of that? I mean, add add to that to the bonus that it's a 26-game winning streak on the line, and I'm pretty sure Boston knows. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure they know. I'm sure they know all the, the implications of the game, and I mean that's that's the thing that we need to continue to um, you know market because if this is like an NFL game, I mean that's like yep. that's like you know like. Uh, it's like Seattle versus uh, the Patriots. I mean, yep. that's kind of a, a big opportunity um, for us to market our sport. So I'm excited to see it. I mean, there's some talent on both sides, and, and uh, I think it's going to be really a really fun one. So we are going to um, – are you going to be here next week? Do you think you're going to be able to make uh, it next week? I will. We, we, have, um, we have a bye week, but I'll be around. Awesome. So I – I want to I want to be able to have you on next week because see, we'll see what the outcome is because this, this seems very exciting. <laughs> we'll see if Boston, <laughs> you know, Boston takes it and breaks the streak, or are we going to see twenty seven in a row against a very good uh, Boston squad? It's it's just a marquee game. This is just this is huge. This is a I want to say you know uh, uh, Tom Brady versus uh, you know Peyton Manning, Denver, New England type mentality right here. So that's it's a good it's it's gonna be great. Um, so Holly, anything else uh, uh, in terms of what's going on with your team before we let you go for this week? Uh, I mean, we had uh, uh, we beat uh, Everett forty-five to nothing. It was a, a solid win. Um, the fir- we went up thirteen, I think thirteen to nothing in the first three minutes. Uh, we had a touchdown, and then we had a pick six. I think uh, three plays later. And then our, our, the second half, we started rolling. Um, uh, but we're we're starting to really come together, and I, I'm excited. Um, you know, the bye week comes at a great time because we had, you know, six straight games without a bye, so I think we're about due for that. And uh, we're excited to go down to Southern Oregon next weekend um, and, and, play to, uh, uh, and play Southern Oregon again. So 
we're we're doing awesome. pretty we're doing pretty good getting it back uh, on track and excited to see what else we can uh, do for the rest of the season. Perfect. So we'll catch you uh, next week then when we come back, um, and we'll see what the result is for Pittsburgh versus the Renegades. So it's going to be an exciting game in the WFA. So uh, thanks for coming on and making the time. I hope you're recovering well, <laughs> and we'll see you. Uh, we'll come to chat next Tuesday in terms of the result. Can't wait. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm up to 95 degrees of range and 75% weight bearing. So getting nice. better every week. Oh, Congratulations. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Thanks. Have a good night. All right. See you. All right, Holly. Thank you. Have a great Bye. evening. Bye. You too. All right, Troy. This is it, man. Next week, Pittsburgh, 26 game winning streak on the line. This is like a circle game that we had circled at the beginning. So we have a couple minutes and we got to go over uh, Legends Football League action. So uh, before we get out of here, um, so let me go. Chime in here. Um, acoustics on uh, YouTube. You can watch it all four quarters. Uh, acoustics taking on the Liberty. Uh, hats off to Tisha um, Winfrey and Michelle Marshall of the Acoustics. Had an amazing game. You get to watch it. Uh, a little bit of a struggle between Drake and Beckman. Uh, Katie Beckman had uh, some drops, some key issues there. The um, you know Drake just continues to evolve a little better and better and better each week, but it just it just didn't work out for them. Uh, a lot of talent on acoustics that you didn't realize. The acoustics played the mist the first game of the season, and I think because they played the mist, it makes them a better team, and they came in this, this, this past week. If you watch the game, it was 41-21. to 21. Austin taking care of the um, Liberty, New England Liberty, Liberty falls to 0-2. I do not believe they're going to make the playoffs. They were slated originally in the rankings to go 0-4. Probably the case at this point, unless they turn things around. Uh, their coaching staff seems questionable based on what I was watching. Uh, but Austin, I think, was great that they played the champs first, and it kind of woke them up uh, at this point. Um, hats off to Astrid Cruz, who played a very good game for the Liberty as well. Chastity Morales, Leanna Lopez, Michelle Marshall, um, you know, you had Jessica Johnson. We got to shout out to her from the Liberty. Played an offensive, a great defensive game as well. Um, so we'll see how they go out this coming week. Um, you have Seattle taking on the Chicago Bliss, and then on YouTube, you're going to see uh, the Los Angeles Temptation taking on the uh, Dallas Desire. It was a 32 to 30, uh, 33 to 32 final. Uh, I want to see that one. That was just a classic uh, down to the wire um, Dallas from what I was, uh, you know, tweeting when we were tweeting Dallas uh, was basically up two scores. They were in control before the half and all of a sudden LA came back. Uh, they made a quarterback change as well. So we'll take a look at it at the broadcast. Um, so Troy, did you get a chance to watch the Austin against new, uh, new England Liberty? Um, I watched a little bit of it. Um, also got a chance to uh, peep in at the uh, L.A. Dallas um, uh, tilt. Uh, that was that was. I mean, I, I caught that goal line stand, and um, yep. after uh, Dallas scored, and that hit that. Um, wow, oh man, that that hit that freight train took was was, was oh, something yeah. else. Uh, she didn't return to the game either, so you know, oh, she's okay. No, she didn't going into the next week. Uh, but man, what a game! I mean, and, and uh, Coach Tui, 
Uh, he's got he's got that team going. I mean, just seeing how animated this guy is and how he has this team rolling. Uh, Monique Axiola making great stops on defense. I mean, it was a heck of a game out there. So you got to give a shout out to the LA team for for pulling that one out and making a big comeback. Yeah, so we'll get to see it on YouTube as well. If you haven't ca- uh, catch the acoustic taking on the Liberty, uh, take a look at it. Uh, this acoustic team is for real. Uh, if they get better the next night, ne- next night out, uh, they're going to get a little bit better. So we'll see how they transpire. But they're one and one. Uh, I think it benefited them to play the champs in week one when they when they lost 48 to eight. This week, um, you have uh, the Chicago Bliss coming in with no Heather Fur because she is no longer playing with them. They have quarterback Kim Perez. Uh, they still have Christelle Harris at their disposal and a new receiving wide receiving core because Allie uh, Alberts left. She's actually playing for the Chicago Force in the WFBA. And then Jackie Fornell also played for them, and she's also playing on the Chicago Force of the WFA. So uh, Chicago's uh, wide receivers, are, it's going to be a question mark in terms of what they can do. They're taking on the, uh, the juggernaut, the, the most dominant team, I think, in LFL history right now in terms of a roster, which is Seattle Miss. You're talking uh, uh, Seattle Miss uh, includes everybody that is an all-fantasy star from the East. You had Jenna Weiss. You had Christine Moore back. You have Shea Norton. I mean, I, I can go down the list. This is a, an all-star roster, and um, Coach Michelson can't be any more, you know, it's just like a gift. You know what I mean? you got too much talent. What do you do with it? And so they 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 played well too. You got to give them credit. Sometimes you get to those teams. Sometimes uh, we talked about Troy, where you got too much talent and it doesn't work out. You know, but uh, it seems to be working out in Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just you know, they, they, if, as you said, I mean, they're playing with an all-star team out there. You you only have one football, so you got to figure out a way to make everyone happy. But you know, if you can get a chance to. Uh, sell the, the the goal, which is the championship, I think your team will end up buying in at the end and they'll sacrifice, you know, um, you know, personal glory for team glory. We'll see how Coach Hack – I want to see what Coach Hack's reaction is if he gets beat. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, he got beat he got beat by Seattle in the championship game. You know what I mean? So it's like this is a rematch game. And he doesn't have the same the same quarterback. He doesn't have you know Heather Fur. He's got a new quarterback. So we'll see how how well of a job his him and his staff have done with grooming the new quarterback. You know, which is Kim uh, Kim Perez. Um, they still have Christelle Harris at their background, and they got some talented uh, players that they uh, t- um, Tamar Fennell makes her debut under Chicago Bliss colors, which is she she's been uh, basically a journey player everywhere. LFL Australia, Cleveland, Crush. Uh, I mean, she's gone everywhere pretty much. Las Vegas sin the last couple, the last season. So uh, this is kind of a you know playing on a good squad, playing against the champs. Um, we'll see how that turns out and see how they use their use her in in the process. Um, so you can get all the details at lfl360.com. You can also go to johnmdavisbooks.wix.com forward slash lfl network to catch our podcast and our reviews. We'll look forward to that. So uh, look forward on YouTube this coming week. LFL Dallas Desire taking on LA Temptation. It's a good game, 33-32. The Temptation Edge, the Desire. You can also get the uh, 41-21 replay of the Austin Acoustics win versus the um, New York New England Liberty. And then coming up this Saturday live uh, in, at Showwear Center, it is the Seattle Mist taking on the Chicago Bliss rematch of last year's championship. 
So uh, a lot of NFL action coming up. So uh, for Troy Wilson uh, and uh, Casey Free, who's not here, and thank you for Holly, uh, Holly Custis coming in, and Darren Stanky. Uh, we look forward to another edition of the Blitz next week. So, Troy, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, you know, we uh, wanted to give a shout-out to Darren Stanky for coming on to the show. And, of course, as always, the great Holly Custis for giving her certain insight on the game. Uh, we couldn't be – I mean, we had, we had to take advantage of her being on crushes right now so the user to get, the, get a chance to get her expertise every week. Come on, man, you can't get any better than that. We get somebody that's right there in the thick of everything. So I appreciate you, Holly, every week for coming out. We love you, girl. And and way to go for getting that, you know, that knee to start bending in a nice little radius. And when you get 100%, we're all going to cheer for you. I'm going to pop a bottle for you over here on the, on, the, on the East Coast. Awesome. I hope it's a cold one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So we'll hope to having Kishi back uh, next week. Uh, but uh, for Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez, we had a great time. And uh, for, like he says, for all our guests, appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on uh, Block Talk Radio uh, at the tab up at the uh, upper right. Follow us. You can also catch us on ultimatesportsite.com and at johnmdavisbook.wix.com for us LFL Network. So for uh, everybody, have a great week. We'll be back next Tuesday to recap all the women's action in the women's game and as well as the uh, action from the LFL. So have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Take it easy, guys. Be easy.